Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jerry Pitney, and today I'm joined by Matthew Miller, who is the president and COO of United Home. Matthew, thanks so much for coming on. Hello. Or should I call you president? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so you've listened to the podcast for a while. Yes. Um, I didn't ask you this uh, to prepare for this. I hate to put you on the spot. Do, are there any episodes you've listened to that you would encourage our listeners to go back and listen to besides all of them? Well, uh, I'd, I'd start with the recent one with uh, Judge Phil Hours, uh, which centered around the Jones murder. I, yes. I'm of the generation that I wasn't necessarily exposed to it that much because I was – when did that, when did that occur? That was the early 90s, I believe. Early 90s. So I was born in 84. I don't remember it much, probably on purpose because they didn't tell <laughs> your me about it. So like, yeah, so while you're eating your, your, your yeah. chicken nuggets, <laughs> I, let me tell you what just yeah, happened. Yeah. So uh, that, that one was interesting to listen to. Um, I, I think when you have city officials on to, mm-hmm. to grasp, you know, I know, I think the first episode was with Mayor Ag. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that just led into the excitement of what's going on in Paragould, I think for all of us. Yep. Um, I, there, there's, there's quite a few. The Max Bishop one was interesting. Uh, just cause I remember the, the kids taking his karate classes in school. I know? told Max when he came on, I said, the uh, the reputation was like, don't mess with Max's kids. Cause it's like, man, Max, man, like he just, he, cre- <laughs> yeah. he just makes these like fighting machines, which uh, that, I think that Max- was interesting. I, I got to give a shout out to my, you know, Gene did one, my father-in-law. Yeah. So I think that was during spirit week. Yeah. Uh, Gene's great, man. Was he enjoying the uh, retired life? He looks like he's taken about five years off his life, just just stepping out of the role. So, <laughs> Reading a lot of books, yeah, probably. Yeah, and I listened to Scott Garrish's the other day just to see how he was transitioning because uh, <laughs> that, that monkey went off of Gene's back onto Scott's. So that was... <laughs> you knew Scott in a different role, right? Was he, did he say he was coaching at one point? Yeah, I so I had him his first year at Tech. We used to call him Mr. Coach Garrish because he taught me math, and then he was a football coach. And so I had him in football, and then... Uh, and then he was in math, and and he was so it was such a different, you know he he's very humorous but dry, and uh, he taught class like we had some people in there disrupting and everything, and one day he taught the whole math class with a guitar and sang it, made up the songs, and you know he just did all kinds of stuff. He was he was a lot of fun. You know you catch you catch a guy at twenty four twenty five starting out. Oh you know, man, they they got tons of tricks. Uh. At, at this point they're they're road weary and they just want to run the school, but. But yeah, we, I we didn't know you played football, then. man. Uh, for a brief time, you know, I weighed about 115, dripping wet. So I'd go to crack block somebody, and they'd end up hurting me. But uh, you're like, baseball might be the better route. Yeah, yeah, I could just catch the football. That was about it. So, so tell me about you. You so say you graduated from Tech what year? Uh, 2003. So 2003. And then did you go on a baseball scholarship to Arkansas Tech? Yes, I, I got. I, I had both. I had full academic, and then I got some baseball money. So baseball money covered my books, and then the rest of my my stuff was covered through uh, my ICT. And so, when you went into college, did you know immediately what you wanted to do? No, uh, the first two semesters I kind of bounced around a little bit, um, but uh, I, you know they had a FEMA program there that was like an emergency management that was interesting. Um, I took. I, I took a broad range of stuff, but I landed on economics and finance. Uh, so I got two two majors there. So when you went into college, you had no idea what you wanted to do, or were you no. actually like, no, actually, I think I know. Well, I mean, you know, you could you could narrow it down to a few things. I, I knew um, science was not going to be something for me, um, so I didn't I didn't hang out in the biology department too much, no more than they required you to. <laughs> um, but then once I got into the the business school. Um, Nobody t- tended to like economics, but for me, it was that and statistics, and then 
finance and not accounting wasn't as fun as, as finance because you kind of got to see it, uh, you know, in looking at companies and, and how the stock market works and all those things. So uh, both that's, both of those avenues really kind of struck a chord with me. So and that's kind of in your blood a little bit, right? Because your dad owns his own business. Is he, I can't remember, is your dad insurance? Yeah, so, yeah. so he's he's just up here on the, on the yeah. corner. Um, and, yeah, he's had his own agency. Well, he's been in insurance – for, for most most of the time I've been alive, um, he used to be where Heidi Anderson's office yes, is. Yeah. Um, he was it was called Johnson Miller and Associates back then, um, and then he went off and started his own agency. And he primarily focuses in life and health, um, does some group benefit stuff and investments. But uh, that, that's what's funny is when I came back, everybody thought I worked with my dad, and I, I don't. <laughs> we just happen to be in insurance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then my mother was a school teacher. I, I don't know if she's – your kids would be – I think she's retired. Since Where was she, she at? She was at Oak Grove. Uh, she really? started back. Yeah. She, what years? She started back in – two. She, she taught, and then she had me and my brother. Um, and then she quit to raise us, and so she was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And then she went back in 2003 after okay. I graduated. Yeah. And then she taught from then on until right before the pandemic. What timing? Yeah, uh, seriously, what a yep. time to come back. Yep. So you graduate from Arkansas Tech with economics and what did you say? Finance. And finance. Yeah, we, we call it finance, not finance. Well, yeah. that's <laughs> I, that's great. I, I like yeah, it. Yeah. I want to uh, make a side note here. Um, <clears throat> did you know what you wanted to do at that point? Did you have a vision for your life as far as like, I'm going to move back to Paragould, Arkansas, and I'm going to own a company? And I mean, what was your thoughts no, at that point? Um well, what was neat about Arkansas Tech is there was a there was a class that you could take, and it was like studies in China. And with being in Arkansas, we have a lot of ties to Walmart, Tyson Chicken, mm-hmm. all these businesses. And so you could you could take this class, and they, especially back back then, this is two thousand five, two thousand six. You know, China was really gaining momentum economically, and so what we did is we studied the language, we studied business over there and then we went over there for two weeks and spend time going to all these different businesses major you know fortune 500 companies and I I really I would grab guys that were giving us the tours that were the VPs over there that were expats and I would say what would you do and the the big thread through all of it was they spoke a foreign language and they got an MBA Um, so at that point I knew when I graduated I needed to go get an MBA somewhere and somewhere off um, so mm-hmm. I came back and I was well, somewhere off. Well, if I was going to do international business, it just seemed that you need to go to a city where international business was, was colliding. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. So think of New York, of Chicago, Miami, yes. Los Angeles, places okay. like that. Uh, Dallas, Austin. Um, so I, I came back and I had the intention of studying for the GMAT to get into uh, business school and then, saving up a bunch of money and getting into the best school I could get into. And so then I applied to a couple of schools and I narrowed it down to DePaul in Chicago mm-hmm. and Florida International in Miami. And so I ended up going to Miami to do my international MBA. And what was uh, that like? It was amazing. Miami. It was amazing. So, you know, Russellville where Arkansas Tech is is which is a lot like Miami. Very similar. Uh, there's 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 a lake there that's kind of like the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, you can fish there just like you can in, in Miami. Uh, but uh, 
but it was you know Russellville is kind of similar to Paragould in size and the amenities mm-hmm. that you that you have and you know I didn't I really wanted to kind of go and experience life in a city you can do it a lot easier when you're young you're not married you don't have kids you don't have commitments um, so I went down there and did the MBA and I graduated in probably the one of the worst times economically that you could graduate which was spring of 2008 mm. so the economy was crashing that was the epicenter of, of the housing market mm-hmm. crisis mm-hmm. Uh, the subprime loan market there was tons of subprime lenders in Florida I mean if I think if you watch the movie the big short mm-hmm. they go down there to do the research where you know where I was living to see and you were looking around trying to figure out like how are these people like this guy's a trainer at a gym how does he have a three hundred thousand dollar condo um, well, he, he, you know, they just, if you could fog a window, they'd, they'd give you a loan, you know, <laughs> and you never had to pay it. So that's why everything came crashing down. Uh, so when I was getting near graduating, I was, I, you know, really tried to network. We had people come on campus that talked to us. Um, but all these companies that I was interviewing with, they were freezing their hiring because mm. the, the economic uncertainty and layoffs and things like that. And so I ended up actually meeting a, uh, a company, that, which is where I started my career in insurance, uh, they were there and they did non-standard auto insurance. So if you think about people with some blemishes on their record, low credit, stuff like that, and they were writing that only in Florida, and they were wanting to diversify and, and get out of Florida. And they wanted a what's called a product manager in our business. So that's somebody that sets the prices, sets the guidelines, oversees the system. You're pretty much in charge of the P&L, as we call it, profit and loss for a, for a program. And uh, I got hired by a guy named Don Moser, and he brought me in, and he had come from Progressive and the Hartford and a lot of major companies that mm-hmm. he had had a bevy of experience and really really took, you know, noticing me and trying to mentor me and taught me the business. And so I was in charge of their Southern Exposure. They wanted to expand into Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee. Did you have any clue how to do that? Not when I walked in. I mean, the the, the MBA prepared me with some exposure in Excel and analysis, you know, because you would analyze companies and you would do stuff. I mean, so, and then you've got business statistics, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you're setting prices for for insurance, uh, you're taking large groups of statistics and determining where the bell curve is, what to charge somebody on this end of the spectrum versus that end of the spectrum. There's a formula. Well, yeah, or, or figuring out what the formula is. Okay. And because it's never perfect because you're, you know, you don't have everybody insured. So you know what everybody should be priced. You just have your data. Um, but anyway, so I, I started and my first aid assignment was Arkansas, which was a blessing because I had some connections here. Um, and then oversaw Arkansas and then did Kentucky and then uh, was. Given Tennessee, Don had already gotten Tennessee up and running. And then I was working on Georgia, and the company was really struggling because the Florida market for now homeowner insurance is bad, but back then auto insurance was really bad. A lot of fraud. Uh, you know, it was just – it was a very, very tough, tough market. And um, they, they weren't doing that well because of the Florida exposure. And I was like, man, this is a tough place to stay mm-hmm. because the economy was starting to get better. Mm-hmm. Rent was going up. Everything was going up, and I, it was hard to see. You know, and people were leaving at our company, and then I was looking at other jobs and trying to find different places to go. And then Kyle Harris calls me. And Did says, you want to come back home eventually, or at that point were you like kind of like one of those dudes, like, man, I don't want to go back to Paragould. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I 
I went to Kansas City and and spoke to a company there. Um, I had started the process with Geico um, because my resume kind of led to their their product management department. Um, but then Kyle happened to call me, and he owns United Home, mm-hmm. and they only wrote homeowner. And he had this idea that boy, I'd really like to write auto insurance to pair it with home because uh, you know if you have both of those, that that's 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 the best customer. So. Um, I said, yeah, let me let me think about it. I really don't want to leave Miami. I'd really like to move to another city. And he said, have you seen Reynolds Lake lately? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at all these these things we have in Paragol. You seen I these mean, geese? Yeah, I do. yeah. So uh, anyway, I you know I mulled around with it for a couple of months, and he would call me about every other week, and, uh, and then we kind of came to terms that, of what what I needed to do to get back here. And what did you come back as? What was your title when you came back? I was I started as a product manager, but it was funny because he didn't really know what to call me because I didn't have product managers at the company. So I, I started my career with, with Star as an assistant product manager, and then he was like, "Well, what do we put on your business card?" And I said, "Well, I'll just promote yeah. myself and I'll be a product manager." <laughs> He's like, "Just keep your business cards yeah. and scratch it out. We'll put you down at home of it." Right. <laughs> so so we did that, and uh, and then from there, you know, the business was just in Oklahoma and Arkansas at the time. There's a little bit of Kansas. So we left Kansas because the weather there was really tough. And um, there was a whole bunch of stuff that needed to go on because they were on a DOS-based system that was was old. And so one of the things I'd learned at that old job was how to convert a company from a legacy system to a new system. So that was something immediately that we brought on was picking a new vendor and partnering with a vendor, and then it allowed us to scale our business. To where it's at now, like which is what? Well, we're in, in Oklahoma, Arkansas. I got yeah, Kansas. Yep, yeah, we're we are in five states right now that we operate. So we're Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, uh, Tennessee, and Kentucky. And Y'all have like locations there, or is it just all ran right here? No, in Paragold? and and that's you know when people think about us as an entity, um, like people come in sometimes and just think like we're selling insurance just like an agency, right? But we we use independent agencies to deliver our products. So if you, if you go into an agency in these operating states and they have an appointment with us, um, we're competing against Progressive, AAA, Liberty Mutual, companies like that in, in their offices. So that's our, our channel for So delivery. break this down for me in, in layman's terms and for those who know nothing about this world. Like I just had lunch with Andy Runyon. It's like the day yeah. of tech people. But like Andy was telling me, sure. you know, MF Block, um, he's like, you know, we shop other Mm-hmm. insurances you know and so we just try to find the best he's like but united home is like their own that's their own thing like well, we're a car- we're a carrier so like for example andy at mf block yeah. they they have us on their comparative rater okay so we're we're programmed on there so when they click when they type in jared picnic put in all your stuff in your cars your home whatever and i click run um our rate pops up against the the tranche of companies that they have that they can sell with. And so tell me, how does that happen? Like, I understand, like, how, like, I, that, that makes sense to me, but like, I, um, was you not at home starting by, uh, like Gretchen's dad, Gretchen Greer's dad? No, Is that right? b- before that, uh, we go all the way back to 1914. Okay. Started um, by someone here in Paragold? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a group of farmers and it's, it's always been run by the Ford family. Okay. Okay. So it goes back. Some, some people know Russ Ford, even uh-huh. like his, his dad. Um, it goes back several years, and ironically, my great—I think great-great-grandpa, because I saw the board minutes—Jerome Miller was on the board back in the teens. Interesting. Yeah. 
So back then it was it was just a mutual. So these farmers pulled their money together. Somebody's barn caught on fire. You know they would they would help pay for it. So it was, it was formed as a as a farm mutual aid. And then over time it evolved into writing different types of exposures like a home, you know, like tractors, you name it. And then expanding that out from Greene County to Craighead to Randolph and then outside of those counties. And so forever they had an agency like MF Block Mm -hmm. who wrote the business for the the mutual company. Mm -hmm. And then really the, the evolution of our business started to really change around 2006 when we demutualized it and turned into a stock company because when you're a mutual you're governed by the laws of the state that you're a mutual in and like you can't you can't write car business if you're a mutual aid okay okay you're limited to that but you also have flexibility as well in rules like you can cancel policies you know midterm if you want with no rules whereas if you're you know a regular company like a progressive you got to follow all the state statutes mm. um so anyway, in 2006, uh, the company demutualized and became a stock company. So now it's, it's owned by the, by the family instead of they just run it mm-hmm. and oversee it. Because when it's a mutual, it's owned by the policyholders. Mm. So, so to take it where you own it, you have to pay all the policyholders. So if you had a $1,000 policy and you're paying premiums, I would have to pay you your share of what the company's value was for three years to take it over. Okay. So so it was converted to a stock company, and then United Home was a company in Oklahoma, and they were writing business in Oklahoma and Kansas and had an Arkansas license. So the, the company in Paragould bought United Home and kept the name and moved it all back to Paragould. And so then, then about oh, end of 09 was when I showed up. And then we went from there to doing new system, auto, new states, Growth, 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 growth. What do you think uh, you've been able to contribute that's allowed <clears throat> these companies to grow? Like, I know people don't like to brag on themselves, and so, but like, just maybe even what would others say about you that's allowed you to step into that position? And like, what have you brought to the table that's allowed it to grow? Because obviously, you have brought something. Like, yeah, what do you think it is? There's, I, I mean, I think the, one of the biggest things is is the scale, making sure that your business is scalable. Um, and, and that's what was difficult when I, when I got there because there were things that weren't in place like the system. So people were sending in paper apps. Well, I, I don't, it's hard to track your sales when the sales report is the mail bin. <laughs> okay. So um, building out an infrastructure of reporting, accountability, hiring good people, mm. um, you know, and, the, and then that product management culture that, you know, I was able to get early in my career with a great mentor to where everything you look at is, is numerically based. Like, you can say, I don't think that's a good risk. Well, why? What does the data say? Mm. Analyzing it correctly and saying, actually, it is. You know, are, you know, houses that are way out in the hills that look like they're falling down actually perform better than the beautiful homes that we have in, you know, hill home that are brick. Mm. And nice and 5,000 square foot. Yeah. So, it you know, that was a big part of it. But, I mean, hiring good people is, you know, once, once you kind of establish your culture, hiring good people that buy in is, is the biggest is the biggest thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what do you, when you think of someone who's just a good employee, like someone you're looking for, like what are the, like the two or three things or whatever that you're like, man, these are the people that make good employees. 
Yeah. And it's probably going to be true, not just in the insurance world, but like across yeah, the board. Sure. sure. Well, I mean, they've got to, they've got to buy into what, what you're doing, but you know, it's, it's a give and take because it's how you lead as well as like, you got to lead by example and you know, you, you can either lead with fear or you can lead with happiness. Mm-hmm. I, I try to do the, the happiness route. Uh, if you show up on Fridays at, at United Home, every Friday morning I'm cooking breakfast for the whole staff. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got an apron with, with my name initialed on it. Man, um, but are you guys hiring? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're taking interns right now, Jared. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. But, uh, but, you know, we try to find people that have a high intellect, um, that, you know, hold themselves accountable, Try to make sure that you know they have integrity because you got so many rules you got to follow in insurance on our side. You got statutes you got to follow. You got to do everything. I mean, we have the we have an exam every four years where the Department of Insurance comes and they almost spend the whole year at our office. Jeez, going to everything that we're doing. So you got to You got to. There's be, a lot of I guess ways you can get yourself in some major legal trouble. Not necessarily legal trouble. It's just they're the regulators and it's a regulated industry and like we can't. You know, if if something happens to us they have to take us over, mm-hmm. you know, because the state is mandating you to buy insurance. If you go buy a car, what do you have to have? Yeah, you have insurance. Proof of insurance. Yeah. You go to buy a house, what do, you, what do you have to send to the bank? Right. Proof of insurance. So with that mandate, you know, they're the governing body, and so they got to make sure that we're doing everything to code and keeping our doors open. Ah. And, you know, we're managing our capital so that we can pay for claims. I mean, all, it's it's a very it's a lot that goes into it. You know, think about when you're on yeah, my side. Yeah, it's a very interesting business, and, and you know, insurance as the end consumer is, I, I hate buying it. Nobody mm-hmm. walks out mm-hmm. of of their insurance agent's office feeling really waving it around <laughs> like I just got this brand new Bose speaker set. You got to come listen to it at my house. It's amazing, you know. Or you know, I'm so excited to wear this new shirt I bought. You know, it, it, nobody views insurance that way. It's it's not a luxury product. Yeah. Um, but it's necessary. I mean, I think the the thing that people don't realize that you know when you're when you're just the end consumer and you're spending two or three thousand dollars a year in insurance, um, that it is really one of the cornerstones of our economy globally and and here that allows people to take risks. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of house could you afford if you had to have the capital to show the bank? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if this one goes down, I can I can pay off the loan and then I can move mm-hmm. into something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mo- most people that are self insured, they're that's Bill Gates's problem. That's not ours, <laughs> yeah. right? So, you know, it's it highly regulated, very important. Uh, there's there's a lot of layers to it. So. I want to go back to the fact that you cook breakfast for your staff. I've never heard anybody uh, or for your employees. I've never heard anybody that's done that before. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, wh- where did that? What what? motivated you to do that when did that start like as soon as you came here or is that just something like no oh. I, you know I, I mean the 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 culture there was was already you know I was it, it was better than the one that I was at um and and people tended to get along but it it seemed it seemed to me like and this was probably five or six years ago when all this started that it, it's a way if you recruit recruit a couple co-workers that would be willing to help you uh a way to spend time with them where you're not mm-hmm. buried in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a way to show appreciation. And then also, you know, we've got a nice break room, get people around from different departments to interact That's good. And, and bounce off each other. That's great. Um, and so it started very simple, uh, you know, like bacon and eggs and biscuits. 
and then it's evolved to, uh, you know, if you have me on Instagram, I mean, I, the the stuff like we we had a well, you you lived in Kentucky for a while. We had a, a bourbon brunch, yeah. you know, at one point that was hot browns, and I had the seasoned potatoes. Uh, I mean, you name That's it. Big time. That's yeah. why you guys are going to the next level. I, you, well, I mean, they live for Fridays, I, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, you know. And then if sometimes if the weather cooperates, and I, if I've got a commitment on Friday mornings, we'll we'll grill out burgers. Uh, we we just do stuff, and, and that's the thing is you just try to facilitate like, you know, you don't always just want to. Here's a gift card or these simple things. I think the leadership actively trying to give back yeah. and them seeing you get there at six o'clock in the morning mm. to, to cook them breakfast mm. and then, you know, visit with them and, and make sure that you're honed in on their day-to-day experiences as employees and colleagues. You, you feel like you're working together yeah. and, you know, I'm not it's just awesome. pointing and telling you what to do. So it's great. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that, man. Um, coming back to Paragold, I know you've gotten really involved. I mean, obviously you mm-hmm. and Josh are, are uh, developed a good friendship and you're involved in just other endeavors. I'm just curious from your perspective as someone who grew up here and now you're back, what are you excited about when mm-hmm. you think about the, the city, just kind of where the direction that it's heading? Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. I was, I was talking to my wife about, you know, kind of getting a, just jogging my memory of, of things. Yeah. And, I, you know, I remember we used to meet at the library. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and talk yeah. about yep. Yep. what what are we what are we missing as a town? And that was probably, what did you say, 2016-ish? Yeah. Yep. Um, and we would sit through those meetings, and I think the most encouraging thing for me is, I'm talking about all this nerdy insurance stuff, but I, I think the big thing is, is a growing company, we need – to hire more talented workers. What do more talented workers want, especially from out of town? Good Amenities, living, yeah. you know. And so many of those people in those meetings, you know, we talked about internet presence. Well, what, what was your contribution? Next thing we know, we have the Paragold Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. People are, are tuned in. They know what's going on. You're interviewing people that are, are helping you mm-hmm. grow your knowledge of, of the mm-hmm. city and amenities. Uh, we were talking about quality of life. I, I remember trying to recruit a, a key employee. We were able to get him, but he asked somebody, where do I, where do I go for a run? He lived in Cabot at the time. The whole city's connected on sidewalks. He could, he could run anywhere. Yeah. And somebody told him the cemetery. And I just said, my <laughs> goodness, like we, we are, we have got to rethink this. I mean, even though you could run around the community center or there were, you know, places you could run, um, if that's the default answer, that's a problem. <laughs> You know, for a town our size, and I love a good cemetery. And I'll still say you that's a problem. Yeah. So, but uh, but anyway, I you know, I, there's so much positive momentum. Like when you when you drive around now, you see, you know, we didn't have a Starbucks, we didn't have a, a running trail, a dog park, a podcast, a Discover Paragold Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, every downtown. So my my grandparents used to have Miller Shoe Shop here, uh, mm. just couple doors down from here. And I remember as a kid it being full. You know, you come down here and you buy shoes. We go see Mama and Papa at, at Miller Shoe Shop. And you do all your errands down here. Mm. And then it just kind of dried up. And now, now you walk around and we have events down here, uh, all the storefronts. We're about to, get, you know, we got a bookstore. I mean, they don't have a bookstore in Jonesboro. I mean, I, I mean, I don't really count buying textbooks at yeah. textbook brokers as a, yeah. you know, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it didn't replace Barnes & Noble, but. But here we have it, and I just I, I think the the community as a whole 
is attracting good people. Uh, we're, our, our businesses are growing. Our mm-hmm. amenities are growing. Uh, you know, the and we're able to keep some personality too. I feel like you know, like people yeah, that come in a, from the outside, and even like we have families that drive in to our church service from Jonesboro, and they're like, Paragold just feels like more of a unique town. Yeah, uh, sure. And, and like you know, like Dane Womack, you know, he came in the podcast. I know you know him, and like he even talked about like I think there's great history here. Like mm-hmm. you know, like they love the downtown area and all that. I think that we've got to keep preserving those kind of things. And so it's like all this new stuff's yeah. happening, but like we're still. It's not just becoming like corporate America across where everything looks exactly the same. No, we're we're not we are not a chain based town. I think there's there's a lot of people that own their own businesses here. There's you know, just behind us the, the farmers market. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we are just we, we had a good foundation. Uh, and the people yeah, bef- and speak the to people that for a minute us. because your dad I know was was friends with Mike and, and mm-hmm. Mike because he was mayor for how long? Gaskell? Mike I, I, in the twenties, twenties. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think so. The, the, it was I like ninety eight, I think, when because you know, I grew Andrew. Yes. Andrew's that's around right. our age, and we were yeah. in high school when he was. Yeah, and he really set whoever was going to follow him up pretty well, right? Yeah, I mean, there was you hear all those stories, and I, you know, I was friends with Mike's son, Andrew, and uh, you know, you hear about how difficult the budget was uh, before when mm-hmm. Mayor Partlow was in, and you know, putting used tires on, on police cars and just stuff that now it boggles your mind. We have Teslas, you know, <laughs> driving around town and, and we used to have to take old worn out tires and put used tires on our police cars. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there's a lot of stuff in amenities that, that came, came on board that we didn't have. If you think about it, we had a twin cinema when we were oh, yeah. growing up. Yeah. You know, there was no, you know, eight screen cinema. Um, just, just the things that started to happen with the community center and and mm-hmm. you know the foresight to to get that stuff going, and then you know to to take all that stuff and I, you know, we're we're next level now. Like it, we're competing with all the amenities. I, I work out in Jonesboro every morning, and I tell people, y'all got to come run the trail. Y'all got to stop messing with this. Craighead Forest stuff. You you got to come see our trail. And then I'll send them pictures of it, and they're like, "That's Imperial." Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I it's it's been a good run. I I anticipate us to continue down that path, and I mean, I'm I'm excited. I just hope I continue to find a, a place within the whole realm of things and keep adding positively to it. Well, you have, man, and I appreciate that about you. That you know, you could just come back and uh, have tried to you know make as much money as you can and just take care of just. You, your wife, your own family, but it's obvious that you care about the community, um, and you are making it a better place. And so, thank you very much for yeah, on behalf of me, the listeners, because I know you've been very much involved. Um, I would like to end as I do every single episode with some rapid fire questions, and I made one up for okay. you that I don't ask uh, just anybody. Okay. I don't even know if I've asked anybody else. <laughs> so uh, I've got a fellow Cardinal fan okay. with me right here. Uh, I, I, I'm curious. First rapid fire question for you: mm-hmm. What is your all time St. Louis Cardinal lineup? Oh, top to bottom. Top Ooh. to bottom. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, we can go with the easy, easy ones. Uh, we'll we'll put Bob on the mound. Good one. Yep. Uh, I'll put Albert at first. Yep. Great, fan, fantastic year, by the, by the way, for Albert. What a way to yeah, go. What a yeah, way to go. Yeah. The, the baseball guy's kind of puttered out there on him at the end, you know, with, with that with that three-game set with the Phillies. Well, really, it's two. But, uh, yeah, I was I was hoping for a little bit more in the playoffs. Um, 
You know, behind the behind the plate, I guess I'd go with Molina. Uh, you know, I, I love Jim Edmonds, so I I yeah, put, put him in center. Uh, you got to put Ozzy at at, uh, at short. You know, third base. That's a hard one. Third third base is a, is a hard one. Um, I don't know. Maybe I need to flip that back to you. Who would you put at third? We're, we're I mean, I, 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 I want to say Scott <laughs> Rowland. Yeah. I want to say Scott Rowland, but I I don't know. I, uh, I, Arenado's pretty solid. I don't think yeah. you can go wrong with either one of those yeah. guys. Well, and, you know, I, I I love Ozzy's defense, but, you know, I mean, let's I face know. it, Renteria yeah. could hit Renteria could hit. <laughs> a lot yeah. Um, the problem is second base. Pedro Guerrero. Oh no, no, that was he was first base. Uh, Pedro Guerrero, that's a blast in the past. Of course I do. Got my picture made with Jose him on the field. Okendo is who I was thinking of. Jose, Jose Okendo. Did he play second? He played yeah. everywhere. That yeah. counts. Swiss Army knife. Yeah, well, I mean, you could, you could go deep track, you go Rafael Belliard. Mm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I, I mean, I don't – there's – I'm just trying to think. Who are you but, putting in right and left? That's what I want to know. Well, I, you know, just, just for the vintage folks, I'd, I'd probably put Willie McGee out there somewhere. There you go. I'll let him roam around. Because, uh, you know, we got to steal some bases, right? <laughs> Uh, so if you got Ozzy Willie, uh, that's that's pretty. All good. you need is left field. Yeah. Willie was right, correct? I think so. Yeah, I, I feel like every time we went up there when I was a kid, he's always pinch hitting, you know, because he was kind of near the end. Um, who like? Well, I guess I put Musial out there in the outfield. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got to put him, him out him there. Well, yeah, no, and, he and, should probably go I, in. I, you know, we we really screwed up on the second base because I mean, you put Honus Wagner. And I could have made it a lot easier by saying in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause that would have been a better, say, a more fair question. Yeah, because, I mean, we're dealing with Greg Jeffries and Gary Guy. Greg Jeffries, like man. Yeah. That was a rough year. It was, <laughs> you know you're in trouble when Greg Jeffries is in your three-hole and Mark Witten batting fourth. Yeah. Though Mark Witten did have a cannon and one time hit four home runs in a game. He, he did. He, which was almost as impressive as whenever Fernando Tease hit two grand slams in one inning. I, you know, there's a you know Donovan Osborne hit a grand slam. He's a pitcher. Donovan Osborne. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch. I mean, I, I we could probably spend all afternoon building a 25 man roster with the cutoff being 1985 <laughs> to to you know 2000. And we should definitely do that yeah, sometime, yeah. Mr. President. Yeah. Stolen bases, Vince Coleman. Come on, <laughs> yeah, Vince Coleman. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got Lou Brock. The hits I mean, just keep coming. I mean, yeah, there's just. I need like a, my cardinal yearbook. In I understand. Yeah, so. I understand. All right, so here we go. Now to the uh, the just the normal uh, rapid fire rapid questions. Fire. Okay. What is the last show or movie you watched or or last book that you read? I, I consume a lot of uh, entertainment. So yeah. uh, hit me with some of it. I well, it's you know it is it is Halloween. So mm-hmm. my annual tradition is is to watch The Shining. Oh. Uh, I, I do like to watch that. Last is that movie, your favorite scary movie? I I don't. I wouldldn't say so, but for some reason, I always watch. You keep the going shine. back to it. I'd say it's your favorite. Yeah, I always I always watch it at, at Halloween. Um, but uh, last one I saw in theater was Bullet Train, which was which was fun. Yeah. Um, and and I was I was thinking about last book I read. Well, I just finished Claire in the Sun, which is uh, by a guy named. Kazuo Ishiguro. Is that what you're reading with Dane and Robert? Yeah, that was in that was a book club book. Oh yeah. Gosh, I could yeah. not hang with you guys. Yeah, well, it you know that that book was it was slow, but it was it, it's one of those ones that when you get done, you you, you spend days thinking about it. It's really, very, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and <clears> what was your favorite book you all read together? Oh, we're getting up there in <coughs> in count of books. Um, there's an author named Ted Chang uh, that we read one of his books and. If if you've seen the movie Arrival, uh, I've heard of it. Never yeah, 
uh, he he wrote a short story that's that was uh, not in the book that we read, but in the book that preceded that. Uh, but it, it was a book of short stories, and typically when you get a book of short stories, um, there's a handful of them that aren't very good. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's but uh, but in that one, it was it was wild because all of them were really good, and they the range of concepts. It's it's like science fiction, but realism. I I don't know it. it I've never heard of Ted Chang's. I'm yeah, looking him up, man. I, I would t- uh, yeah, it's he's a good place to start because I mean some of these stories are 20, 30 pages long. Uh I know one of them was like 3 pages and the that's 3 page the 3 pa- the 3 page one is like blows your mind. After really? You read it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my speed. Um favorite band. Oh gosh. That uh I, that's a that is such a tough one. I've heard you ask that. Are you a music t- lover? Yeah, and that's the thing is like I, it, it just depends on the mood because okay, we'll just go I, with I could, right now. I what tell who, you, what band are you listening to the most right now? Right now, well, I tell you, we just saw Rufus De Soul. I don't know. I don't know if you know Rufus. I don't. Um, they 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 played the Saturday night at the Format Festival in Bentonville, and uh, my wife and I love those guys. They're they're really good. But um, on Spotify and all that. Oh yeah. Oh, What's yeah. one song from them? If I'm gonna go try to uh, give them a listen, I would say Treat You Better. Treat you better. Yeah, I'm on it. But you know, I could. It's so broad. I mean, I you know, it stretches so many. I understand. That, that is such a loaded it's question. Like, it is, man. And like, people are going to judge you off your answer. That's that's true. That's true. But it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm I'm giving my my response is the last group I saw in concert. Uh, that's what that's, that's I, I, th- right. I think that's fair. It's kind of uh, like the last very movie fair. you saw. Yeah, very it's, fair. It's not yep. your favorite movie. It's just the last You're movie. You're just telling the last one. Absolutely. Yeah. So we can't hold you to it. Um, now I know you're well-traveled. You've uh, been a lot of different places, eating a lot of different foods. So I'm interested. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal? I, you know, I, I, I tend to like a, a French cuisine. So okay. I like I like some of the stuff that would freak some people out. Like? But, uh, like duck liver pate. <laughs> it's, it's duck liver pate? Yeah, or... or uh, or yeah, stuff like that. Really? Yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah. Do you ever uh, uh, make any of that in your own home? It's it's well, I, I haven't attempted it. It's tough. It's better just to eat at a restaurant. Trust, <laughs> trust with the pros. But no, I, you know that that's kind of a, a ridiculous thing to say. But I, I do like French, like like the French style of, of cooking the best. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, but then if worst case scenario, I mean, last meal I'd probably just order a, a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> if, if if you're here, yeah, is well, that, yeah, yeah. Before I went in the electric chair, I'd probably just have pepperoni pizza and some mint chocolate chip ice cream. Right on, man. <laughs> oh, that's a winning combination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is on your nightstand right now? My nightstand right now. Um, I have a book uh, by Thomas Piketty that I was reading out outside of what we're reading for the for the book club. Uh, about the history of inequality, and it's quite interesting. So it kind of goes back in that economics yes. degree, you know, and uh, diff- different concepts and how different countries have have dealt with and battled or not battled uh, inequality. I just had a great idea. We should have a new podcast where it's just you and Gene talking about the different, <laughs> but reading excerpts from the books you're reading and then <laughs> yeah. talking about them. <laughs> well, I, you know. It, it, it's it's tough to get a whole lot from memes. You got you got to sit down and read the books. That's that's where uh, that's where you get your knowledge. Yeah. So, um, okay, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Mm, I you know I'm I'm lucky in uh, our house. We have a big fireplace, mm. and uh, it, this is very very boring. But uh, to sit home with the the dogs and have a big 
big roaring fire. Mm-hmm. It would be cliche to say a book, so I'm going to say to have a have a show on. Have Netflix <laughs> rolling, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you can't read a book with your spouse. Uh, I mean, you can, but that would be out loud and kind of weird. <laughs> uh, so I, I would say, yeah, you know, just a just a normal quiet night with, with Whitney, uh, big fire going, and hopefully a movie that we agreed on to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how the older you get, the more of those boring nights are like oh, bring you a lot of joy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can go and you can travel and you can do stuff, but. Well, sometimes those those weekends at home, uh, just without much commitment, are, mm-hmm. are really nice. Mm-hmm. So, for sure. Last question: What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Uh, I, you know, I, I would say, you know, as as you as you start to live, you kind of watch things evolve as you as you grow up. I, I would say the the stability and the upbringing that I had mm-hmm. with uh, my my parents, mm-hmm. and then the extended family. Um, you know, it's just, it's just stable. They made sure, I mean, especially growing up in like the youth group, I was always in church, so I was never out causing much trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I wasn't doing that, I was out bland ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think now that I look back on it, it's just having, having that solid base. Um, and then mom was a school teacher. So education was a big piece of, of yeah. growing up. Dad was a businessman, mm-hmm. um, so the, just the discipline of getting up every day and run, just seeing all those things and everything being calm and uh, all those things being advocated for and promoted, uh, like good grades, good behavior. Uh, you know, if you're going to be good at baseball, you're you have not not much natural ability, so you better practice and work and spend all yes. our time out there. All, all those all those things now as as an adult have really, uh, I, I think I'm I'm really really grateful for because they set me up to for for success 100 percent. that's an excellent answer because you can see how <clears throat> just a little bit i know about you and hearing your story how all of those things certainly played a role in your life and up before you know who you are so um man matthew thanks so much for coming on man always enjoy getting to spend yeah. time with you and is there uh, anything else about insurance that i need to debunk for anybody do we need like a rapid fire yeah if i, I, I knew I, if I, I even knew the questions I, to ask i, I would ask I, them i feel like there's all these you know just in my day-to-day people ask this the most random questions about insurance and like why is it this much or why you know why why did my premiums go up or yeah they they have these i guess urban legends in their heads of what they think uh, yeah see i'm the kind of guy that i'm like pay for insurance (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i'm the kind of dude it's like okay you are the experts i don't know all the behind the scenes of how it works i don't care like i just trust that you guys are doing the right thing red red cars are not more expensive to insure i'll i'll say that (laughs) that's a good one to end on red cars are not more we don't, expensive we don't know the color of your that's car if there's anything you the that you guys have taken away from this podcast that's frustrating because all these years I've not bought a red car thinking that would cost me more this is see what you've just done for Robert and I know you've it's helped a lot up of a other whole people new door yeah. <laughs> so gray, with, gray blends into the road that's what you want to avoid because okay. that's what people tend to pull that out makes front. sense yeah well thank you so much for coming on Matthew appreciate yeah. it man hey if you're still listening to this thanks so much for tuning in if you've not already done so please check us out on our different social media platforms we are on facebook and instagram um, and if you've not done this i would love for you to go to itunes just take a moment to give us a five star rating that helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people who are living right here in this city as always thanks for listening until next time